Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you need you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. <laughs> right? Then they explained to me, right? Your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I don't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to, know what to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, but seek. S is in search. E is in everywhere. E is in excellent. K is in kingdom. You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not gonna let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord, you are good. You are good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosy moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, rec- as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I could fly, amen. Michael Jr. Anybody seen Michael Jr. before? He's hilarious. Um, by the way, my name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. Uh, can you ever remember a time when you were asked to pray out loud? Isn't that an awkward experience? Yeah, that first time someone says, hey, let's pray together. We've actually done it here at the church before. I I apologize if that was your first time and you felt really awkward doing that. We're going to do that today, too. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that, for those of you that are worried. But that first time that you're asked to pray, you know, like, or it's in one of those settings where you're going to pray out loud, uh, it can be nerve-wracking. I remember um, when I was younger, I started praying out loud at a young age. I prayed in like small groups and Bible studies. I even prayed um, in uh, like my youth group. I was asked to pray in front of all of them and I did that. But when I was a senior in high school, uh, they asked me to do the opening prayer at our graduation. 
And I said yes without thinking, you know, what was going to happen. Because at our graduation, it was a small school. We graduated, I don't know, maybe 90, 95 people, something like that. But there's still like hundreds of people that pack into the gymnasium. And so I started thinking about praying in front of hundreds of people at our graduation. And it's, you only get to graduate once from high school, right? So it's kind of a big deal. You got to do it well. So I took time and wrote out my prayer. I uh, had my parents review it. And then uh, I, I went to the graduation ceremony. I wasn't even thinking about graduating, right? I mean, I'm just thinking about this prayer that I have to do in front of all these people. And I remember going up there. I had my sheep, and I laid it down. And I know you're supposed to pray with your eyes closed, right? That's somewhere in there, yeah, right? You're supposed to. It's, it's actually not. You don't have to pray with your eyes closed. But, but I felt like... I'm, just, I'm, I'm not going to close my eyes. I am just going to stand here, and I'm going to read it. Uh, and I had a really shaky voice, but I got through it. I got through it. I did my first big public prayer. But man, I was really, really nervous. And, and it's in those times, though, when we're asked to pray out loud that we wonder, do I even know how to pray? Because now I'm, I'm, my prayer, my focus is no longer on communicating with God, right? My focus is on what other people are hearing. And I start to worry about, am I doing this right? Am I praying the right way? You know, kind of like Michael Jr. was saying there. You guys can all include as the Rockets, the Rockets red glare in your, your next prayer. I think God would like that. Anyway, the good news is that prayer doesn't have to be complicated, in fact, prayer is rather simple, and we're going to take some time today and study a scripture where Jesus teaches us how to pray. Now, it'll be a familiar scripture for many of you. Now, some of you, this might be the first time you're actually hearing this scripture, and so it might be new to you, but for, for many of us, we've read this before, we've heard this before, and my encouragement to you today is to not check out as we walk through this familiar scripture but to be open to what the Holy Spirit might want to say to you today. Because my hope is at the end of today, we all, I, want, I don't want to say we're better prayers, but maybe we pray with more sincerity. That's what my hope is, and we communicate with God with a little more sincerity. So that's my hope today. So um, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be. We're actually in a series this summer studying uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And the sermon series is, is called Counterculture, the sermon that changed everything. It's on Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And this sermon was counterculture to everything that was happening in their culture during that time. And I would say some of these things are even counterculture to what's happening around us today. And Jesus didn't hold back didn't hold back. And today we're really going to see this. Jesus speaks pretty directly um, against the religious authorities of that time. And they had a way of praying that was not correct, I would say. Um, their reasons for praying were a little off. And Jesus starts off by, by calling them out. He says that the religious leaders, when they pray, they did it standing up on the street corners or in the synagogues 
for everyone to hear. That's what they did. And they would go on and on and on in their prayers with lots and lots of words. But Jesus goes right against that, and he teaches us how to pray. So Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So today's message is titled, Secret Conversations, Jesus' Simple Approach to Prayer. And my plan today is just to share with us five simple tips from this teaching on prayer. All right, so you can get ready to fill these in on your handout. I'll give you five tips, and I promise I won't go like three hours. Usually I only have like two (laughs) tips, but uh, I'll go through these rather quickly. But first, let me pray. Father, I thank you that your son Jesus came and taught us how to communicate with you. And I pray, God, that today we would learn from you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be in the middle of everything we do today. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so here's your first fill-in. When we pray, we should first of all hide away. Hide away. Verse 6 says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the motive for the religious leaders when they prayed was to be seen by others. That That was their motive. And Jesus is saying, your motive should not be to be seen or to impress others. Your motive should be to communicate with God. That should be your whole motive in prayer. And Jesus understood that good communication many times requires being alone. So when Rose and I got married, we had five kids. I brought two into the marriage. She brought three into the marriage, ages three through 10. So you can just think about that for a moment. Those of you that have kids, that kids, it was a nightmare. Sometimes, sometimes it was a nightmare. Um, but there was a lot of activity, a lot of sports, a lot of things going on, a lot of talking and all that kind of stuff. And so we early on adopted a, uh, a habit of communication that involved every night after dinner, before we would get up from the table, I'd just tell the kids, all right, you guys take care of the dishes and go downstairs. And so we would with all the dishes and plates on the table, we would leave and go to our bedroom, and we had a couple of chairs by the fireplace there, and we would sit down, close the door, and we would communicate. And we would listen to see if the dishes are being put away. And uh, then they would all go downstairs, and we made them 
practice worship songs is what we did. So, and today, I mean, they, they hated us then, but today they all are on worship teams and are able to play. So it's kind of fun. But, uh, but we would take that time alone just to communicate just to communicate, because that was it. That was so important for our marriage. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know if our marriage would have lasted if we hadn't started that process. Jesus knew that communication with God would require one-on-one time, being alone with him. Now, Jesus practiced what he preached, too, in this case. He didn't have a house. He couldn't go into a secret corner. He didn't have a prayer room and close the door. Jesus was kind of a wanderer. You know, he didn't have his own place, but he still practiced being alone with God. Here's one example. Uh, one night he was spending the night at Simon and Andrew's house. And if you can imagine, the houses back then weren't very big. So he's spending the night. He's a guest in this house. And so he decides, I've got to go spend time with God. So in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So he knew he needed to spend time alone with God. So he got up while everybody else was sleeping, left the house, went to some solitary place, and prayed. And this wasn't the only time that Jesus did this. Luke chapter 5, verse 16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So he, often he would go off by himself to spend time alone with God. Now his disciples were always looking for him, and people were always trying to follow him. And in this last example, I find it kind of humorous, because Jesus, Jesus wanted to spend time with God, and so he put a lot of effort into it. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Now, I don't know if it really happened this way, but I envision Jesus doing some mountain climbing. Like he is going up a difficult path. He's kind of going up around a corner into this spot where nobody can find him, and he's just hiding out. And he's like, I finally got some me time, just me and God the Father, and I'm going to just spend the night here. And he does, and he spends the night alone with God. Being alone with God is super important. It's super important. You can write this in on your handout. Every good relationship requires some one-on-one time. And this definitely includes our relationship with God. Now, I'll be honest with you, um, as I was studying this, um, I was just thinking about spiritual practices that I put into my life. And this is probably the most important spiritual practice that I've put into my life. From a young age, I started spending time alone with God every day, reading my Bible and praying. That's really the two things that I would do. I've added some worship to that today, but spending time alone with God on a daily basis, I would say is the key to the health of my spiritual walk with God. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're not doing that today, man, start. doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, start today spending time alone with God. Find a place alone with God that you can 
read his word, and talk to God and pray with him. Um, for me, my favorite places to pray, I, I actually go down into my furnace room um, is where I spend time alone with God because I can close the door. Nobody bothers me. They can't find me. And I can actually do worship because it's way away from everybody else. So that's where I spend time with God. I love also going to Oxbow Park and just walking and doing a walk with God. And um, being the, the pastor of this church, I have one of the advantages I have is that I have a key to this building. And so I'll come in here when nobody else is here and, uh, and just pray. And uh, you guys can all be jealous. I really love doing that. It's a wonderful thing. If you all want to do that sometime, I might be able to let you in. But I, I will tell you, it is wonderful to be able to pray alone with God, no matter what. So find a place to be alone with God. Now, as a side note, Praying alone with God isn't the only time we're supposed to pray. We are supposed to pray with people as well. For some of you, you're like, I love this message. I never have to pray with people. I never have to pray out loud ever. No, we still need to pray with people as well. And it's because of this scripture. Matthew chapter 18 says, Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So this is the scripture just basically is talking about prayers. It's about coming together, agree, agreeing upon things, and praying to God together. And there is power when we do that. There's power when we do that. Now, there are a couple times that we gather together to pray for our area, for the church, for our services here at the church. And you guys are welcome to join us. Um, it's on Sunday mornings at 8.30, you know, be, before church here. We gather in this room over here, and we just pray. So you guys are welcome to come anytime. Come to church early and join us in prayer. And then also on Tuesday, Tuesday nights here at the church at 6 o'clock, uh, we spend an hour or so just praying um, for this ministry. So you guys are welcome to join us in those times as well. All right, so number one, when we pray, we should hide away. Number two, when we pray, we should... Limit our words. Limit our words. Now, let me explain that. Verse 7 and 8 says, And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So when we pray, we don't have to pray a lot of words. They don't have to be in the old King James, thee, thou, thus, you know, just normal language. In fact, God already knows what we need before we ask him. So we don't need to impress God or impress others with lots of words. We just talk to God. Now, this idea of babbling like pagans, it reminded me of an Old Testament story where this actually happened. Um, so this is Elijah and the prophets of Baal. You guys might remember that story. There's 450 prophets of Baal, and then there's Elijah, and they're having like a prayer contest. They get up on this mountain, and they, they put these offerings out, and they say, whichever God responds, then he is the real God. So first of all, let me read what the prophets of Baal did, because that gives you an understanding of what Jesus meant when he said babbling like pagans. Verse 26, so they took the bull given them and prepared it, 
Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. Some of you are like, I want to be like Elijah. He's kind of my hero right now. So they, but they did this. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. So they, they did this all day, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. That was their normal custom, was just to babble and dance and to shout and to slash themselves and poke themselves. That was normal. Jesus, don't do that. Don't be like that. Now, I, I, I have what Elijah prayed, and I think we can really learn from that. So in verse 36, this is where Elijah actually, actually prays. He says, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Okay, so the prophets of Baal, they, they babbled all day. Lots and lots of words. This prayer, when translated into English, is only 58 words. That was it, just 58 words. didn't take very long for me to read it. didn't take him very long to pray it. And then God responded with a huge miracle. And I would even argue that the whole prayer was only five words. He said, answer me, Lord, answer me. And God knew what he was praying. God knew what he was praying in his heart. And he just says, answer me, Lord, answer me. So when we pray, we don't have to use a lot of words. We don't have to make it very complicated. We just simply have to have a conversation with God. Just have a conversation with God. Know that God wants to have a, re a relationship with us, with each one of us, and talking is part of building that relationship. So that's number two. When we pray, we should limit our words. Now, these last three points I'm going to go through rather quickly. Uh, this is centered around what we know as the Lord's Prayer. It's the last four verses of our section today. Um, I could do a whole series on just the Lord's Prayer, and maybe one of these days we will, and just talk through it because there's so much in it. But I want to just look at it kind of at a high level and pull out some things that Man, they just are just really helpful in building our prayer life, okay? So here's point number three. When we pray, we should make it personal. It's a personal conversation. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Now, this is very counterculture. That is not how they prayed, 
Now, you might have always thought, well, we, we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Like, you know, that's normal for those of us who kind of grown up in the church today, but that wasn't normal back then. Because if you called someone your father, that meant that the, you were equal to them because a son was equal to their father. A daughter was equal to their father. And so it was blasphemy to call God our father. And yet Jesus all the time talked about his father in heaven. But in this case, when, he's, when Jesus is telling us how to pray, he says, start out like this. Start by addressing the God of the universe, God Almighty, Jehovah Rapha, you know, all these super wonderful names of God. Start off by calling him your dad, calling him your father. And I believe that's because he wants us to have that kind of communication with God. Now, I call my dad just about every week. And uh, I have a really good relationship with my dad. And so I'll just call him and say, he'll answer hello. And I'll say, hey, dad, what's up? And he'll just tell me what he's doing that day. And I'll tell him what I'm doing that day. And, and then we're done. We just, all right, see you. Bye. But it's a real casual conversation. That's what Jesus is trying to say with that very beginning is he's your dad. He's your father. Yes, he is king of the universe. Yes, he is Lord of lords. But start off just, hey, dad. Hey, pops. <laughs> Papa. Daddy. That's how we should pray. It doesn't have to be this, okay, how do I do this prayer? All right, I got to put my hands, I got to, you know, it, it doesn't have to be like that. Our Father in heaven wants to have a relationship with us. He just wants us to talk to him, to reach out to him. So we start off by making the conversation, making the prayer personal. It's you and God. It's you and God. Second, well, I'm sorry, point number four, when we pray, we should begin with God's agenda. And I think this is really important, though, too. Verse 9, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is saying, start off personal, our Father, but then you go right into God's agenda. All right, it's God's agenda right up front. He says, your name is holy, your kingdom come, your will be done. So let's face it. Whatever's on our agenda isn't quite as important as what's on God's agenda. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Right? I mean, it's just true. And so there is, there is power, I believe, in honoring God for who he is. Now, he's our dad, but he is all powerful. So Jesus is saying, I'll say, start off with our father. Hey, holy is your name. I mean, it's honoring him. It's, you know, we can have a relationship with someone and still honor them. Right? I mean, we can still do that. Holy is your name. And then he starts with God's agenda. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the beginning of the prayer model. So when we pray, it shouldn't be just about what's on our agenda, at least not up front. Up front, we should be honoring God for who he is. We should be addressing what's on his mind. 
And if you don't know how to do that, you can just say, God, your will be done in my life, in the life of people around me, in our church, in our world. Lord, let your kingdom come because I know that's on your heart, God. But focus on him. Focus on his agenda first. Now, again, Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he's not willing to do himself, right? I mean, that's good leaders. That's the way they are. They won't ask their followers to do anything that they're not willing to do themselves. And Jesus was pressed with this in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he died. Jesus was in the garden and he went off by himself. Again, he told his disciples, stay back, went off by himself and had a conversation with God. Three different times he came back and his disciples were sleeping, but he would go off and pray for an hour or two or whatever by himself with God. But this was the gist of his prayer. Verse 41 and 42 of Luke chapter 22. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. This is the prayer that we see that wasn't answered by Jesus. I mean, Jesus prayed this prayer, Lord, if, it's your, if there's any way possible for all of us to make it to heaven one day, let's, let's find another path, another avenue besides me dying on this cross and going through the pain that I'm going to go through here in just a few short hours. That was Jesus' prayer. He was praying and just pleading with God, is there another way? Is there another way? Lord, if there's another way, please, please. And then what happens? He says, but yet not my will, yours be done. He submitted his request to God Almighty because God's agenda is bigger and better than ours. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God didn't answer that prayer of Jesus because we have forgiveness of sins today because Jesus died on the cross. That's the only reason we do. And Jesus was willing to submit his life to God's will. And he did it in his prayer. And so it's, it's a healthy thing just to say, not my will, God. I, I, mean, I want this to happen. I want this job or and I want this relationship to work out. But Lord, if it's not your will, then so be it. That's a healthy place to be. It's, it's understanding that God's agenda is so much better than ours. So when we pray, prioritize God's agenda. And then here's the last point. When we pray, we should consider others. You know, honestly, I've never noticed it um, when I've prayed this before. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus is telling us to use the word us instead of me. And when I've prayed that, I've prayed, I might have said us, but I meant me, right? I mean, that's kind of how I felt That's when I've prayed that prayer. And I thought it was really interesting as I was going through this this week, 
that God wants me, I mean, it's, it's one thing to say, okay, I want to pray for Matt because he has surgery this week or whatever. I get that. I mean, praying for others. But it's this idea of, Lord, I just want to have a good day today. And God's kind of saying, well, how about your wife? You want her to have a good day too? Okay, let us have a good day. You know, the idea, the things that we pray for ourselves, we can pray for us. Like you're praying, Lord, I just, I just want to pass this test. You know, help me to do good on this test. Well, what about Joe over here? Okay, let us do good on this test, except for that's going to affect the curve, right? I want him to really not do well so I can... No, it's this idea of us, like, praying for each other. I, I mean, it's just include others in your prayer. Like, the things you pray for yourself. The play, things you pray for your family. Pray for those things for, you know, your neighbors, um, for people you work with. Just include them. Those things that you're asking for, include them in your prayers. I mean, specifically, he's saying, give us our daily bread. That is, help us to have our needs met. You know, forgive us our debts. Forgive us for our sins. Uh, help us not to be led into temptation. Those, those are the prayers that we can include others in. And if you look around, I mean, I just do that real quick. Just look around. Look around at the people around you. Until you at least see somebody that you know their name, I just challenge you this week, include them in some of your prayers. Just as a matter of practicing this, of including others, just include them in your prayer. The things that you're praying for yourself, just pray for them. Just pray for them as well. Now, as a side, some of you need to hear this. Us does include me, though. Some of you, are, your prayers are always about other people. <laughs> and Jesus would just want to say to you today, no, you can pray for yourself too. Us does include me. You can do that. It's part of our prayer walk, that conversation that we have with Jesus. All right, that's, that's your five quick tips on prayer today. When we pray, we should hide away, limit our words, make it personal, begin with God's agenda, and consider others. I'm going to invite Rose to come up here. She's going to close in prayer. You guys would all stand with me. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.